0: y'all want to know a funny thing that happened to me? Like literally, was it yesterday or the day before? So a long time ago, I had a cat named Lionel. He was a jerk. He bit through my Mac charger and I (laughs) didn't have any money and I was crying at the hub this is, like, years ago, like, maybe three years ago. Crying at the hub, I look up, there is Matt Gula, an angel, sent down from God. And he tells, and I told him what happened to my Mac charger. I literally just bought a new one. And Lionel, the cat, the jerk, bit through my freaking charger again. So he gave me money, like, literally, I'm, like, crying. I look up, there's Matt Gula. I'm, like, I'm Matt Gula, and my life is over. And he, like, I, like, close my eyes, and I'm crying, like, Kim Kardashian again. And I I opened my eyes again and he's put like $80 on the freaking table. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't accept this. <laughs> and he's like, no, like my grandma just sent me money. Like I really don't need it. Here you go. And Oh, wait, that was the second charger I bought. Sorry. That charger I I bought with that money, then my cat bit it again. Then I was crying to Brian Johnston, who used to be here. I cried a lot that time. And Brian fixed my charger, but, like, not fixed it, but kind of fixed it so it works. But there was, like, duct tape. What's the No, it's electrical tape. Yeah, the electrical tape around it. So it would work, and it has officially three years later broke. It broke two days ago. My message was on my computer. My computer is dead. I Amazon Primed to charger. It's not here. What the heck, Prime? Not cool. Um, so, yeah. So, I'm really trusting the Lord this evening, being extra spiritual. Um, I have a notebook. It's great. But God is still good, and yeah. So, that's just a fun. That was for free. That's nothing to do with my message. <laughs> um. So, have you guys ever feared of being judged? Like, literally all the time, right? Uh, So, I, like, didn't grow up in church, but I definitely went when I was younger. Uh, We stopped going to church because we were being judged. Uh, My parents got a divorce, so they were like, what the heck, you're going to hell. And we were like, bye. (laughs) So, I, like, kind of, like, got that experience at a really young age. And it always, like, terrified me. Like, it just doesn't feel good when people are, like, mean. And you're like, why are you a jerk? Like, not about that life. So what I learned to do at a very young age is uh, I'm going to tell a story. This is not to poke fun at the situation, but I'm literally, it's going to make sense, okay? So picture me, young Brittany, sixth grade, at a playground with my friends. And we're playing on the playground minding our own business, and having fun. And there's this family, and apparently we, like, upset this child. I'm not really sure what the dealio was with it. But her mom was, like, talking smack. And I'm, like, in sixth grade, okay? And she literally was like, yeah, like, they're don't worry about it, sweetie. Their parents didn't raise them right. Or she said their mothers didn't raise them right. And I was like, oh and i was very sassy like as a child i was like no okay <laughs> and so i went up to this mom and i just like literally started bawling and told her that my mom just died like literally sobbing like like literally it was i should have gotten a grammy for this like it was it was like literally i was going in detail like, I was, like, you don't know what it's like. And just, like, going off, just popping off. And this woman, like, immediately, her whole demeanor changed. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. And, like, all this stuff. And literally, like, I get done crying, and I, like, just walk up like a boss. Like, that's how you do it. And I went home, and I was, like, yeah, Mom, these people were talking smack, so I told them you died. And she was, like. <laughs> She was like, don't speak that over my life. <laughs> Why would you say that? I was like, they deserved it. They were talking smack on you, Mom, so you didn't raise me right. You know? And so for, I literally, that honestly became like my favorite hobby ever, was just making people feel so uncomfortable. Uh, and that was my way to cope with like if I felt like people were going to judge me, like I just made them feel straight up uncomfortable. Now, I just make people feel uncomfortable because I just enjoy it. Uh, (laughs) It just like, I don't know why. Like, I just love seeing people's reactions to things. I love just like dropping bombs and like seeing how it escalates, you know, like seeing what happens. (laughs) So, you know, it just, from that moment on, I was like, yep, I'm doing this. It's gonna be great went to another story real quick before we get started. (laughs) So at a young age as well. So this is me, 15, rode the bus to the doctor's appointment. We didn't have school, so my little sister came with me. And I was on the pill. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about the pill at church. Because I had like all these issues, and they were like, get on the pill. And I was like, okay, I'm so grown up. And so I went to the doctor, and like literally the doctor's office is so awk. Like, especially that doctor's office, like, major awk moment, like, okie taki. And so I'm sitting there, and, like, my sister's two years younger than me, I'm 15, and this lady is like, what are you here for? And I, like, look at my sister, I'm like, are we in prison? Like, why is she asking me that? And I was like, oh, I'm just here for a refill. And she's like, for what? And I'm like, you know, the pill, yeah, yeah, I said it, I'm on the pill, And uh, she was like, you guys look too young to be having sex. And my sister's, like, mortified, like, oh, my gosh, I don't have sex. Like, me, I didn't have sex either, but I was like, oh, my gosh, I love it. (laughs) And I just, like, started going off, like, details on things I didn't even know what I was talking about. And this lady was like, like, her face is, like, beet red. And I, like, look at my sister, like, this is great. And she's like, stop. You're so embarrassing. <laughs> but for real, like, I feel like even in my adulthood, I still fear being judged, like, all the flipping time. And even coming into, like, a church setting, like, I technically kind of, sort of, but not really work in a church. And, like, even going to a different church, I get anxiety. I'm like, oh, they're going to judge me. And it's like, they, I mean, who cares? Like, really, who cares? The flip cares. But you know, Christians got a bad rep, and some of them are jerks, you know? And so there's one jerk in the Bible, and yeah, I'll said it. Someone in the Bible's a jerk, okay? And y'all are gonna like probably be like, you're a liar. This isn't true. But Jonah is a flipping jerk. Yeah, I said it, Jonah. Y'all are talking smack on Samson, saying he's a jerk, he's just a lover. He just loves people. He's stupid. So are you. So am I. But like Jonah's a straight up jerk. And so some of you might be a little confused because you're like, okay, I know that story. He's the guy with the whale, right? He like tells people about God and like, but he lives in a whale. You know, we've all like (laughs) maybe heard of this story. Uh, And so let's just like start fresh tonight. Is that okay? Can we just like start fresh? Cool. So we're in this series called Storytime, and we're taking Old Testament stories and finding Jesus in them, connecting it, because that's how we read the Bible. It's super dope. Jesus is great. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for every single person in here. Thank you that you have handcrafted them and that you love them unconditionally. Thank you for loving me, even though I mess up all the time. You're so great. Amen. Cool. Hey, oh girl, it's like my high woman down there. She's great. All right, so we are gonna start off in Jonah one one. Okay, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship. Bound for that port, after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh crazy. So what happens? God tells Jonah, yo, I want you to go and preach to this city. And uh, yeah, it's going to be great. And Jonah's literally like, okay. And then gets on a boat and goes the opposite way. (laughs) And so what happened was he gets on that boat, And there's a huge storm. And Jonah's like, yeah, I'm going to take a nap down in the basement of this boat. And everyone on the boat is like freaking out. Like they're like, oh, my gosh, what is happening? Why is this happening? They go and wake up Jonah and they're like, who are you and where do you come from? What's the deal? And he's like, oh, yeah, like I'm a Hebrew. I follow God. You know, he created the heavens. Like that guy? Yeah, he's mad at me. So I guess this is what's happening. <laughs> and they're like, oh my gosh, like please pray to your God and have him stop. And he's like, I mean, like the only way that's gonna stop, you just throw me in the ocean. Like, it'll be chill, you know, it'll be great. And so they like are praying to God, his God, Jonah's God, our God, and they throw <laughs> Jonah in the ocean. He gets swallowed by a whale. And like honestly. Like it kind of like everyone preaches this message and they're like, God has chosen you for a purpose. And Jonah was scared and he ran away. Don't run away or get swallowed by a fish. <laughs> like you're like at the ocean, like God tells you to talk to someone, and you're like, Oh, it's fine. And then like a whale just like swallows you. <laughs> and you're like, I should have seen it coming. You've done this before, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. See you in three days. I'll be out. <laughs> And so Jonah actually is in the belly of this whale for three days, and he is just praying this beautiful prayer, like, ooh, yeah, God, I'll do it, I'll go, and, and all that jazz. And honestly, I saw a meme the other day, and it was like, if God can talk to Jonah in a whale, then you can text back. <laughs> and like, honestly, I feel like that's very accurate, like for real. <laughs> Get your stuff together, people. <laughs> But so what's really funny is how God uses our mistakes and our failures and uses that to help others. So we see two things, right? Jonah's on this boat with all these people who don't believe in God. And through that experience, they all were praying to God and putting their faith in God. Then we see this town of Nineveh that Jonah says, okay, word, I'm going to go. And and God's like, all right, go say what I said. And he's like, cool. And then the whale like pukes him out, okay? But the thing about Nineveh is it was like this wicked city and they worshiped other gods. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. It all happens during the Old Testament and still today. But two of the main gods that this town this group of people worshipped was one of this fertility god named Ishtar and then the other one was a god lowercase g that was half man half whale yeah like half fish half man like literally that's what they worshipped and so God used a whale to swallow Jonah and bring him to Nineveh Crazy? I'm shooketh, honestly. Like, I'm saying it and I'm shooketh by it, but it's fine. But the thing is, like, people always preach this, and they say, Jonah was scared. That's why you know he ran away. Jonah was like hecka brave. He's like, Yeah, there's like this huge storm. I'm gonna go downstairs and like take a nap. It's fine. And then like he's like, just throw me in the ocean, it's totally fine. He gets swallowed by fish. He's like, Oh, this is chill. This is a child. Just pray to God. It's fine. Like, he really wasn't scared. He was actually a very brave man. And then we also look at this, and honestly, like, I think a lot of the Old Testament stories, we think we're still in kids' church. And so we see these pictures and these stories, and, you know, we read about Noah's Ark, and we're like, ooh, two by two, all the animals. And we forget about all the people drowning, like... You know, like, we just forget about these things. And, like, we see, we're like, oh, Jonah came out of this whale. And, like, the, you know, he came to Nineveh. And the whale's mouth opened. And a beautiful tongue staircase came down. And and Jonah was like, hello. I am the prophet Jonah. I am here to tell you about God. And they're like, oh, my gosh, yeah. We accept him. But, like, no, that's not what happened. Like, he was in the belly of a whale for three days. That's nasty. <laughs> like for real. You know like your stomach has so much acid and it's like he got no hair. He, his skin is bleached. He smells like vomit and a fish. He smells like when you ate salmon, like a gallon of salmon and then you burp. That's what he smelled like. He looked like a mole rat from Kim Possible. He looked like Rufus. That's him. (laughs) Like, for real. That's like him. Like, and obviously, he's not that happy. Like, he's like, he's like, God, like, literally just pretty much forced him (laughs) to look like that. He probably grew a tail. (laughs) Like, literally. Assume and smells. Probably didn't take a bath, nasty. And he like walks over these three days, and he literally is just like going through. There's like thousands of people in the city. And so he's like going off and saying, like, 40 days, Nineveh's gonna be destroyed. Better follow God. <laughs> and so finally it gets. their leader, and like at this point, everyone's like put on like sackcloth, like they are scurred, they're like covered in dirt, and they're like fasting and all that jazz, and their kind of king also does that, and he said, okay, well, maybe if we don't, you know, worship these other gods, if we don't do all these things, and we uh, aren't evil anymore, and we follow this God, he will have mercy on us. And so God sees that, and he's pleased. They repent, and he decides not to destroy the city. He gives them mercy, which literally, like, the theme of this story is mercy on the Gentiles. And if you don't know, Gentile means anyone who does not believe in God. And so God is giving them mercy. It's kind of interesting because we think of the Old Testament as like God is not a merciful God. But the thing is, Jonah's a freaking jerk. And he didn't want them to have mercy. Literally, he did not run away because he was scared. He knew how good God was. He knew that all God wanted was for them to turn to him and he would give them mercy. And Jonah did not want that. And so when God gives them mercy, he is like chapped about the situation. Like he is straight up angry. And so we are going to move to, I think it's one. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better to die than to live. Ooh, he a drama queen. Like, literally, he's like, I would rather die than then be forgiven. Ooh. <laughs> How many people do we know like that? Oh, Lord. (laughs) Okay. So he, like, literally storms off, goes to, like, the east side, east side of the city. And he, like, literally is, like, sitting there hoping that God is going to destroy the city. He's literally sitting there. He's so mad. And so it's, like, super sunny. And God, like, raises up this plant and, like, shades Jonah. And he's, like, so happy about the plant really enjoying it. And then the next day God kills the plant and he's like, I'd rather die. Like he's like freaking out about the plant. (laughs) It's like, dude, chill. Why are you so negative? (laughs) But then like God goes straight up savage. The reason why I'm doing so much scripture is because like literally I was reading this and I was like, oh, this isn't the same story I knew in kids' church. So (laughs) we're going to do Jonah 4 and 9 through 11. But God said to Jonah, it is right for you to be angry about the plant. Or is it right to be, for you to be angry about the plant? Sorry. It is, he said. And I am so angry, I wish I were dead. <laughs> but the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend to it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. So he like straight up uses this plant as like an analogy. Like you are so mad about this plant dying, but like did you raise it up from the ground? Did you tend to it? Do you actually love this plant? No, you don't love. It. Just like this town of Nineveh, I created that town of Nineveh. I created every single person in that town of Nineveh. I love that town of Nineveh. You don't get to choose who I love whatsoever. You do not get to choose who I love. You do not get to choose what sin is above what sin or who I get to forgive. You don't get to do that. But Jonah was uncomfortable with the fact That God loved those people, even though they may have seemed so wicked. And so we look in our lives, and how many times are we like Jonah? How many times are we prejudiced? How many times, even if we don't even realize it. I mean, we're raised a certain way, in a certain background, in certain Towns and we start to kind of develop these feelings about different people. It might have been learned, and you might have grew up like that. But when you look at John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, the world. God loved the world. He didn't just love the white people. He didn't just love the Christian. He didn't just love the straight people. No, God God loved the world that he brought his only son to put on our sin, to put on our hurt, because he loved the world. And so we, you know, when Jesus was on this earth, people asked him, what are, what are the most important commandments? And he said, love your God and love people. And I think a lot of us like to think we do both of those, but we really suck at that second one. We like to say that we love people, but do we actually love people? And we like to talk to one another and say, I'm very concerned about this person. Can we pray for them? Uh, How about we actually be people who can keep people's secrets and actually care and carry them to God? Because guess what? God already knows what you're praying for. You don't need to spread drama. You don't need to spread secrets. We don't need to... Gossip is not loving people. And you go in and say, I'm really concerned. If you were really concerned, you would go and talk to that person and tell them how much you love them and say, can I pray for you right now? I think a lot of us try to love people and we tell ourselves that we love people and then we try to fix people we try to look at their sin and we like to do this kind of weighing scale right we say well I've never I've never struggled with that and um yeah it's bad so yeah they're going to hell I mean And the thing is, it's like we have this like love, this thing that we like to say, and it's like, well, I love them. I just don't support what they do. Guess what? We got a big God, a big, big, big God. He doesn't need you to defend him. He doesn't need you to defend him whatsoever. He needs you to love people. And not by love people like, oh, I love them. I'm praying for them. He means actually 100% love them. Don't go off to people pointing out things in their life, telling them they need to fix it when only Jesus can fix it. You can't fix it. Don't point out people's sin and say that you love them. First off, you can't even say something to them until you actually love them, and they're actually going to receive it because they actually know and feel how much you love them. There are so many people that I know that can't even go into a grocery store because people think they're stealing because the color of their skin. So many people I know that walking down the street, they can tell that you're clenching your purse they can tell you feel uncomfortable. Today I was at work and there was a man who had an electrical, electrical, oh my gosh, an intellectual disability, he was special needs. And I, he was out there and he's so friendly and so happy. And it literally seeing him brought me so much joy. And I would see people walk past him and just the looks on their face, literally brought tears to my eyes. People would like walk past him and feel so uncomfortable and I could see it all over their face. This woman brought her granddaughter and her granddaughter felt so scared that she clenched on to her grandmother's arm and the woman literally looked at him and and gave him this look and walked away. And I just like literally wanted to go up to the little girl and say, hey, this guy, his name's Sam. He's really nice. Well, let's go over and meet him. But in, in that moment that her grandmother showed her that he was to be feared, that being like him, was not okay. I know people that feel that they can't come to church because they are going to be judged. That people are going to they're going to walk in and they are going to get looks and they are going to get turns and people are going to say you're going to hell. That's wrong. I don't want to be that community whatsoever. I want to be a community that literally when someone feels like they want to get something off their chest or they say what they're dealing with or they just say who they are and we don't even blink. We're like, man, I love you. I love you so much. And that we actually show them that love that we see people and we don't see projects that we actually mean it when we say, I want to be your friend. I want to have community with you, and I want to spend time with you. I want to love people like Jesus does, and I want to see people the way that Jesus does. We don't get to choose who goes to hell. Literally, all you have to do is put your faith in Jesus. And when we go to heaven, it, is, it literally says there's going to be people from every tongue and every tribe. And it's going to be beautiful because there's going to be people of all, like, all shapes and sizes and colors and, and personalities. And we're all just going to love one another. It's not going to be like down here. There was not going to be hurt and tears and, and, and all of that stuff. And so how do we, how do we love people? I took a class in Seattle, and we took a class on um, racial reconciliation. And it was a hard class. To We would sit there for two hours, and it was the most emotional thing I've ever sat through. And we would sit, and we would go in small groups, and we would talk about our lives and, and things that even I realized that I was doing that's not cool, things that I say that are actually really offensive, and I never knew. And I think that doesn't just go with race, it goes with anything. So a lot of times we grow up saying certain things, and it's offensive. And so what we do is when someone says, hey man, that's not right, don't say that. We say, oh my gosh, people are so offended by everything. Like I can't say anything ever. Like really, is your joke that important that you have to offend and hurt people? Jesus was a funny dude. Like, he funny. Like, we crack up all the time. But he didn't hurt people. So you saying a joke that has anything to do with race, you saying, I'm sorry, like, that's... You can fill the blank in there. You know. it's That is not funny whatsoever. That is not loving people whatsoever. That's actually bringing people down. It doesn't matter if someone is in the room that has to do with that. It's not funny. Making STD jokes is not funny whatsoever because that person is so loved by God. That gay person is so loved by God. That person with a disability is so loved by God, and he's up there shaking his head at you like, come on, you know better than that. I love that person so much. And you doing that is not loving that person whatsoever. I want us to truly, truly love people. And that means being uncomfortable. That means going places that you feel uncomfortable. um, That literally... The other day, I was at Commonplace, and I was hanging out with my friend, who is black. And um, he was like, hey, um, are, you, are you doing anything? And I was like, no, I'm not. He's like, hey, come sit with me. I'm like, cool, awesome. And all of his friends came, and it was great talking. And at one point, I realized that I felt a little uncomfortable, and it was because I was the only white person there. And it wasn't because I was the only, like, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, it was like, wow. These people have a lot in common with music and, and, and they have the same kind of backgrounds and church, it's just a lot of things in common that I don't have because of my culture, because I'm white. And I felt a little uncomfortable and I thought, man, this is how all of my black friends feel. When I had that class and we were talking about our experience, the youth pastor who is black told me he cannot return things at stores. He has to bring a white friend with him because they won't accept it. He has to literally, my one friend has to look in the mirror every day and analyze everything, everything that he does, everything that he wears, because he is a threat to society. He is seen as a threat, and he is literally the funniest person I've ever met in my life, the nicest person I've ever met, and people judge him. People are scared of him. I remember Growing up, and people finding out that I liked girls, and they couldn't—they felt like they couldn't dress in front of me. And in, in the locker room, everyone—I was the only one there. Which I mean, I'm not gonna look at them. I could care less. I'm not attracted to them. <laughs> but like, literally, being ostracized because of that, and it hurt. It hurt so bad. It's because they made me feel that God didn't love me. And so I went to church and I tried to hide this part of myself. (laughs) And these people were so cruel and so mean to me. And so I said to myself, why would I want to follow a God that treats people like that? Why would I want to be around people who hate me? And if they represent God, that must mean that God hates me, and I don't want anything to do with that God. And so I held so much anger inside of me for Christians. I hated Christians. Literally, I would be in the Oak Grove, and that guy would be preaching, and I would be cussing up a storm at him, literally screaming at him. Told him to go die. I said it in different terms, but I hated Christians. And so coming here, I was giving God one last shot when I walked in these doors. Because I had recently OD'd, I tried to kill myself because I hated myself so much. And the only thing that could save me was God. And so I gave him one last chance and walked through these doors. And I felt love, I felt home. I felt the presence of God. Because when I OD'd, I was scared and I cried out to God. And I felt his love. I felt his embrace. And when I walked through these doors, I felt it again. And when I came in worship, I felt it again. And so I said, God, I'm not just going to believe in you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you for the rest of my life. If I can feel, if I can feel this love all the time. If, if someone... Will love me because I've been searching for it all my life. That's why I do this. That's why I tell people about Jesus because so many people grow up growing up thinking that God hates them and they don't. God does not hate them. God loves them. He is madly in love with them. And guess what? People can feel how you feel a lot of the times. They can feel your ignorance. They can feel your judgment. They can feel your prejudice. They see your body language. And you, whether you like it or not, you are representing God. When people come in here, it's life or death. And so we need to be showing people who God really is, and that's by showing them love that's by showing them kindness. That's by really caring for them. That's even means saying, I actually, I don't really know what's that, what that is like. Can you explain it to me? As a white person going up to one of your black friends and saying, hey man, like, I don't know what it's, what it's like to be black. Like, can you, can you explain to me? Because I, I grew up in an all white town. And I don't don't really know, like, you know, when you say these things, I don't really know what you're talking about. Can you explain that to me? That honestly means so much. You know someone who's transgendered? Go up to them and say, hey, can, can you explain to me, like, what's going on? Like, how you're feeling, and how can I make you feel comfortable? Do you? Like, what's your pronoun? Like, how can I make you feel comfortable? Because so many people are telling those people that God hates them. And so many of those people are killing themselves. And that's not God. God loves them very much. And so I'm going to pray. Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you so much for loving all people, no matter what, unconditionally. And God, I just want to give um, some people an opportunity to accept you tonight. And so, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus, you can do that tonight. Um, You may have gone through life maybe not even believing that he's real, but he's so real, and he's, the love that he has for you is so real, and he's, he's been waiting for you to turn to him, and so, if that's you, go ahead and raise your hand now. And there's, there's another group of people that I really want to pray for, and, um, there is literally no shame. We are we are not a place that is going to judge you. Um, and there's no shame in admitting that you struggle with something and um, I think a lot of times people are offended when they're called prejudiced or if they're they're offended by f- being, you know, called judgmental, but it's it's something to just say like, "Hey, I struggle with this and and God, I, I really I really want to love your people." And so if you want To invite God into that tonight and to really truly having Him help you just love people. Go ahead and raise your hand. Well, God, we love you so much. Thank you for your mercy and your grace and your love that just is never ending. Thank you for sending your son Jesus down to die for us and then (laughs) raising him to life three days later. Amen.